0: Hey alright, this is Tim Crisp and I forgot to hit record when I did my intro to Road to the Skeleton Coast with Brendan Kelly yesterday So I'd like to welcome you to a new experimental form of podcasting that is part music podcast, part investigative journalism, mixed in with a little bit of off-the-cuff, shot-from-the-hip reactions to what Brendan said yesterday. It's just like jazz, baby. So we're going to roll, and I know how things start here. I say, Brendan, how are you? I'm doing all
1: right, man. Um, Well, I mean, I guess I was... I'm still like in my pajamas, as you can probably tell
0: via our Zoom. Brennan, of course, is wearing the monogram pajamas that I got him for Christmas. Let's say Tim's BFF right on the breast.
1: Because I I woke
0: up a little under the weather today, but uh,
1: it's nothing, uh, you know, a little TLC, probably a nice glass of tea, spiked with a few shots of rum couple lines of ketamine, can't fix. You know what I mean? I did know what he meant.
0: Yeah. And I continue to know what he means. Right. And for someone who'd spent the morning puking and pooping,
2: he mm. was mm. looking
0: great that day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I told him such. Yeah, but I'm all right, man. How are you doing? And here's where I say, I am great today, Brendan. Thank you. And of course, I take the opportunity to remind him and the listeners... Of our last episode, and particularly the story he shared about Mr. Brett Gerwitt, sort of a way to pick up where we left off and remind you all at home that every episode of our podcast is great. And if you missed last week's episode, well, you really ought to rectify that mistake.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think we bullshitted about a lot of wacky ancillary concepts as well, I'm sure.
0: Got that right. Tell you what?
1: Well, I tell you what, blew my mind. <laughs> like, oh, still on the Brett. Here's story. the thing: like, I tell that story now, and I'm like, you almost can't tell it in a way that it doesn't have like an M Night Shyamalan or whatever the fuck his name is like Whiplash ending. You know what I mean? Shyamalan.
0: Ha! How does he do it? But
1: living through it, you really can't.
0: <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> so like. Shameless jokes aside, though that story is wild, and it does have like a cinematic feel to it, which is what I said in reply.
1: Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Now it it would be, it would make a great short film starring somebody younger than me, and younger than Brett.
0: <laughs> I could play Brett maybe. Well, such a film would certainly make a splash at Sundance, but speaking of splashes, our guy here has made a big one right here in the podcasting world with his new podcast, They Come to America, Mm. hosted by Brendan and Matt Marty.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so um, what Tim is talking about is that I am now part of a new podcast uh, hosted by uh, our friend of the show, Matt Marty, also of Marty and Joe's Hot Sauce Co., um, and, um, it's called they come to America. And what it is, is each episode is a, you know, like whenever you hear something like this, you always expect the guy to, or the person to go a deep dive into, you know, the 50 states. And that's not what this is at all. It is a show about just one time you were there, uh, <laughs> you know, and so like, so at the first episode, um. Well, the episode that just just played was about South Dakota. We have a random state generator that'll give us what the next state's going to be. So we started with South Dakota. We have my friend Jason on, who used to do house shows uh, for the Lawrence Arms and the Broadways back in the day. And then we all go around and tell facts about the state. Then we all tell one story that we like of uh, usually about us if we have a story about us being there. And then at the end we close with our guest telling us what the best state is and what the worst state is uh, of of all the states. Right? And then we and then this, the generator picks picks the state the state for next week. Um and yeah it's available wherever any podcasts are sold or sold uh, available um you know Apple Podcasts whatever Check it out if you're so inclined. If you like this, and it's like this, I guess, a lot. But it's it's like the the main idea is humor instead of music, so and geography. Geography is huge.
0: And in this moment, you know, I went with a routine about being totally comfortable with Brendan doing another podcast and not being threatened by my friend by his friendship with Matt Marty. But to be honest, here Brendan having another podcast is great for me because i want to be able to plug as you were a podcast about alkaline trio and better yet each week and now i have a place within the show to just do it so y'all should listen to my interview with sheena ozella of lemuria on better yet and listen to david anthony and i talk about the song maybe i'll catch fire on as you were this week
1: That's right. The entire Better Yet um, Network is um, the, uh, you know, the lifeblood of this channel. Uh, And and, and you'd be a fool not to check out any number of his um, resplendent uh, titles and so forth.
0: (laughs) All right. That wasn't bad. But let's put a little bit more life into this plug for our Patreon, Brendan, right? Patreon.com slash better sandwich
1: yeah go over there that's where you can give us money man um if uh and and i don't mean to sound like a beggar but more like if you like the stuff um you know i think that you know our usual jobs uh have kind of shut down due to um the pandemic and uh you know, in Tim's case, the uh the glory hole scene in Indiana really just like up and moving to Kentucky, but um <laughs> Leaving me <laughs> out in the lurch. The fact remains that um if you like if you like what you see here or if you hear 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 hear. If you like what you hear here, hear hear. Hear here. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> for for that kind of Ribald Wit and more, um pledging to our Patreon is a great way to keep us able to keep bringing you this kind of whip-smart
0: content. (laughs) All right, plugs have been plugged, minus the glory holes. But hey, we've got a special treat for you all this week, and maybe for the next couple of weeks, I got on the line with Chris McCaughan to talk about Skeleton Coast. We spent some time talking about the energy going into making the record before getting into quiet storm so let's go to that conversation and then brendan and i will pick things back up with pta all right damn it the table's been set chris mcgoggin is design. on the line how are you chris
3: i'm good tim how are you dude i'm nice to see you again
0: (laughs) it's so nice to see you again you're letting that hair grow yeah i am it's
3: uh it's a thing dude it looks great oh thanks
0: (laughs) are you are you in are you in ponytail territory
3: uh i'm pretty close uh i am definitely like having to put it up here and there because it gets pretty annoying yeah um so yeah i uh give it a few more months man i think i uh I should have some, some real options. But yeah, it's getting pretty long.
0: <laughs> well Chris, we're we're talking about Skeleton Coast and we kinda built this whole podcast around getting to Skeleton Coast. And now we're we're six months removed yeah. from it. It's been a unique uh landscape that you're releasing this all in, but you know, you've had some time in between like making the thing, getting ready for it, putting it out, and now it's interacted with the world. How are you feeling on it now? Are you still stoked?
3: Yeah, I mean, like, what a weird, strange year, you know, it's been particularly in terms of, like, the perception of time. I, I, it feels in some ways like so long ago that the record came out, Um, just because so much has happened in the world and in our country and everyone like going through just this weird distortion of time being quarantined at home. And, um, so, so it's sort of strange to like, step back and be like, oh, well, it came out in July, you know, here we are just into 2021. It's really hasn't been that long, but it feels like quite a while i guess Mm -hmm. and then like the other side of that being that you know about a year ago is when we were making it and we were in texas and it was really right kind of before you know some of these initial covid cases popped up in the news and and we went into you know like we finished the record not too much before you know the first lockdowns Mm -hmm. um and so like that kind of passage of time is really really strange um I I mean like I guess I would say like I still uh really stoked on the record and I still the songs still feel I mean not that I like been sitting around like spinning it a ton, but I have like checked in with it here and there and like mm. it's um yeah, they still feel like they have like the urgency of what I felt, you know, when we made it and and you know, I have the same like I guess like excitement about about the tracks the you know, is when they, we finally like put them out. Um, so yeah, man, I mean, I think, uh, yeah, obviously a really, really strange time to put out a record and, um, uh, it's a really different experience than, than the ones I've had previously. Um, yeah. uh, but, but yeah, no, I still, I, I, I still feel very excited about the songs and, and how the record came out. And, um, you know, I look forward to maybe some kind of future where they have are kind of reborn, um
2: totally you know,
3: in uh like when we play a show or when, you know, yeah, that happens whenever yeah, that can, may be. So you can
0: see people actually <laughs> participate with it and see which parts people are most stoked to like sing along to or move to. Of that. Yeah,
3: I think songs ultimately always get you know they get new life when you play shows and when you get to interact with people, um, kind of in like face to face and hear what they have to say more than like over the internet, which is you know just a kind of like strange distortion. I think of
2: mm-hmm. of
3: things generally speaking. I mean, also <laughs> a wonderful thing, but uh, you know things get kind of like run through certain weird filter often at times and like so i think it'll be interesting you know when when that day comes um to be able to yeah just like a, it's like this like breath of fresh air into into the record that um you know we just weren't really able to experience this time oh, so man. but i guess like long and short being like i still like listen to the songs and i'm still like very Excited and stoked with how it turned out and I think um, yeah, you no, know, I'm I'm certainly happy. We made the choices we did to put it out I think you know, I'm I feel I feel good that people have the song more than holding on to them waiting for some future world, you know, right right. so it's so
0: this is the seventh Florence Arms record and I I hadn't thought about this a lot but you know there was a lot of talk around uh the amount of time that passed between O Calcutta and Metropole in between those two records you did three sundowner lps but in between metropole yeah. and skeleton coast there's there's no new songs coming from you so i'm i'm interested in what that looks like when you're not releasing music are you still writing as consistently or was there a period of taking a
3: break yeah i definitely wasn't writing as consistently um you know i think like the Sundowner trilogy of records kind of have like really specific marking like milestone points in my like life and in my life as i guess a musician as well and you know the first one really being like was just kind of, like, a step away from the Lawrence Arms in some ways. It was also, like, built-up material of really writing consistently. in mm-hmm. like, basically between Greatest Story and, like, um, you know, I guess, like, Butts, Wet, and Tears EP, somewhere in that, like, timeline. Mm-hmm. Like, things really built up. And, like, we wrote O Calcutta so specifically for O Calcutta that I had this, like, just like body of songs that built up and that really turned into the first Sundowner record. And so it like made sense. Like I had all this, um, I just had all, I've been writing a lot, you know, like really in like in this really consistently in terms of like writing. And then the second Sundowner record was kind of more intentional writing a record. And then the third was like, it really came out um, before I moved out of Chicago, which is quite a while ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, but was really like, I don't know. It felt like the, the proper end to that, like to those kind of three records. It felt like the, the appropriate, you know, third installment. And, you know, I think since I've been, since I've left, like we did Metropole and then, yeah, I just really didn't, I really wasn't in any consistent writing rhythm. And I felt like I kind of hadn't, and I still haven't, like, I, I don't know what another Sundowner record looks like because I'm not really sure what, um, what the next installment would be. And so
0: there's gotta be a sixth season of the wire.
3: For that to happen, <laughs> right, right. Right. So like, um, so it wasn't like I was building up tons of songs and that's how I got to skeleton coast songs, mm-hmm. skeleton coast songs really were born out of writing. The first song I wrote for skeleton coast was coyote crown. Mm. And that was my launch pad. And, I think that one of the things that has changed for me over time is that like, you know, um, as I've gotten older, just like personally for my own, like writing rhythms or whatever, it's like, I'm not just like writing all the time. I, I just don't have that kind of like, um, uh, air in my life, you know, to, to be able like daily to be able to just like, kind of like digging in and, and, and spending particularly with how I write. I, I just, um, you know, for a long time, I just needed, like, the open space to do it and take my time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Skeleton Toast was a little different for me because I was much more targeted in my um, in my writing and, like, really, like, took my ideas and tried to, like, kind of roll with them and get it out and, and like, more, more strategically get them done in terms of, like, song by song. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Like, without having like kind of endless amounts of space in my days to just kind of keep, you know, working on things or like collecting way more songs than maybe, um, that maybe, than I, like, as I've done in the past. So, all to say that, like, uh, I, when ideas were working, I followed the threads to get to what I wanted. And when they weren't working, I just burned that shit immediately and like moved on. Like I didn't spend a lot of time fleshing out songs that weren't totally working. Like once I had ideas and I felt like committed to them and they were like, yeah, this I'm like excited about this. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I really like tried to like edit really hard and like find the perfect stuff for it and build it to the best of my ability um like front to front to back. Uh and then like stuff that fell away, I just let fall away. And so I really ended up with my contribution to Skeleton Coast like was a very, very tightly edited package of songs. Mm-hmm. Um but there's no real extras because I just never got to the finish line on any of them because I just recognized in the process that like it's not good enough and it's not going to be there. It's not going to get there
0: yeah had there been songs before coyote crown were you kind of like getting back into it and coyote crown was something that you there was
3: there were parts there were parts but there's never really any finished thing Mm um um, and part of that is just like you know the process of like i guess like writing out the junk or whatever however you want to like think about it it's just like it's just like it's not worth me finishing this because this kind of sucks um uh-huh. or whatever it is and uh like it took me like finishing coyote crown and i felt like that was like you know i didn't know how it would turn out i think it turned out a lot better on the record actually and a lot more in a like it has a really like interesting point of view on the record that even yeah. the demo didn't like totally have mm-hmm. um so there's definitely like a process of like growth there for the song from like demo to final mix.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, but, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think that. Um, yeah, I guess I, I, just, I guess I've turned in the kind of person, at least in terms of my own creative process that I'm not worried about finishing things and stacking them up. So I have like a, do so I have all these options and choices? I I'm abandoning stuff as soon as I realize that it's not worth my time yeah. and going with the ideas I feel like are going to get me there to where I can make the imaginative leap to wanting to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like that was, I really, really leaned pretty hard into that for all the songs on skeleton coast. As soon as something wasn't working, even if I had like a verse chorus and it just like, I mean, I'm definitely like, I, I, like puzzle. I like, I like songs as being like puzzles a little bit and like mm-hmm. math. Like I like certain symmetry. I like things to add up in a kind of correct kind of way. And so I spend a lot of time like making sure those things are fixed correctly, yeah. <laughs> you know, and like there's yeah, a certain yeah. like equation that I feel like has to like be like balanced and I like those, like, you know, those like challenges yeah, And I definitely spend time doing that, you know, like some songs are more like puzzly, and some songs come out a little more fully formed. But either way, it's a little bit of a process of like ironing all those things out and making sure the math adds up for me mm-hmm. um, and that it looks nice. Yeah. But like, um, but as soon as something, as soon as I could sense that it's like, you know, like the hook, it's not hooking me enough or like this puzzle, this math is not going to get there. Like, this equation is going to fall apart somewhere along the way. I just scrapped that shit. I uh, just yeah. moved on. Oh, and know, it heard. allowed me to just, like, keep chasing, like, the next thing, the next melody, you know, in yeah. my head, or, like, the next thing that would, like, get me going on a new thing. And then as soon as that wasn't working, torch that one, too, and just try to find the next spark.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's so it's so funny just to see, like... Um you know, the dedication to the thing that is working and then the just seemingly like detachment from anything that's not, it's like, I don't need to save this, but I'm going to put so much into this. Like, I, you know, I remember hearing Leonard Cohen talk about how he'd just spent years on songs just so that he could
3: get every
0: part of it right.
3: Which is, I mean, you know, like, I, I feel like I have a, certainly, I mean, I think it would, what, he wrote Hallelujah, like over five years or something, I yeah. don't know. Um, I, I get the, the labor of it. I mean, there's a craft and there's a labor to writing songs, I think. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I, I think for the Lawrence arm specifically, it's like, I, you know, you can, you can craft and labor a two minute song for sure. And yeah. Uh, try to make sure all the turns are right and, and everything is, is, you know, Mm -hmm. the way you want it. Um, I like to think I fall somewhere in the middle between, you know, chasing the ideas that are urgent and trying to like, um, you know, cut and paste it so that it works without giving myself too much rope. Mm -hmm. Um, and part of that is like, we're a punk band and we're writing songs that are, um, I think like urgency is really critical, you know, Mm -hmm. to what we do and like to the final output. And so, um, well, I guess all to say that like, uh, you know, uh, I get like the the dedication of of a long time trying to get things right and perfect. Mm -hmm. But I also firmly believe in the imperfection of like immediate of immediacy Mm -hmm. (laughs) and and like the nature that you can kind of capture by uh, creating some boundaries for yourself uh, or some like goal some goalposts, you know, um, Mm -hmm. like that you're going to, like, you're going to push yourself to, to cross a finish line, um, Mm -hmm. without too much, uh, without giving yourself like too much room to just like, keep trying to get it right. Like perfect forever. You know, like, like I think, I think parameters are, are, are crucial and, So my experience on Skeleton Coast was kind of like putting in some of those, you know, guidelines for myself. And they weren't like super hard or anything, but it's just like, okay, this is the process that's like working, you know. Mm -hmm. And I think it's partially like what I've always done, but it's a little more like refined and a little more like strategic than I think I have been in the past. You know, and part of it's just like, you know, um, it's working, but part of it's also just like – time you know like we're Mm -hmm. all running up against time you know like it's our most precious commodity and we're all losing it you know every day and so it's like working with urgency once you have something once i had something going was was really a big part of it like you know it's like you're trying to like i don't like like i want to get there you know how how do i get to done you know how do i get this to like be where i want it to be feel like it's great and you know, and stop wasting time. hmm
0: Yeah, there's a there's a lot of like moments of symmetry on these songs that I'm pretty excited to to get into. But one thing that I, I think is is interesting, um you said about Coyote Crown having a an interesting perspective and when you mention it being the first of all of these, it does feel like a lot of these songs are maybe not directly referencing that that song in particular but they're certainly like informed by it Did you say that kind of yeah oh, no i matter?
3: definitely definitely i think Kyrie Crown set like this kind of um yeah kind of set the table a little bit tonally maybe for me mm-hmm. and then also it felt you know I felt like my collection of songs for Skeleton Coast were very much part of like an anthology of like where they all we have they all have this kind of like short abstract short story mm-hmm. kind of vibe and Coyote Crown definitely I think um, was sort of like the first stab at that and it wasn't super intentional initially, but it's certainly like built up momentum for me like where I was like writing these little kind of abstract narratives. Mm -hmm. And I mean, which is not unusual for me or anything like that's a little bit of just like, I think the style I have had for a long time, but these are a little more pronounced, I suppose, maybe, um, in that they felt like these little like slices of stories, um, with these kind of like not totally clear narratives, but, these kind of like different, you know, abstract characters and, and kind of storylines. And so I feel like Coyote crowd definitely was, um, yeah, it was the first one. It was the, it was the, you know, the foundational kind of um, piece of Mm -hmm. the songs they wrote. And so I would say, yes, it informed both some of like the themes, but then also kind of a little bit, um
0: could you say that again you cut out just the...
3: oh yeah it inf- i i think i think coyote crown was like it informed thematically mm-hmm. like a lot of the songs that that would come after it since it was the first one but it also kind of there was like a format to it and a um and kind of like a an abstract narrative approach that i think i tried to really build off as that being like the starting place
0: yeah, totally. It's it's a really cool development in your writing, I think. It's, um, you know, just looking back to, you know, songs off of Apathy or Greatest Story where they felt like they were so just from your guts, but, you know, I think your your prose has always been really good, and I think to see you, like, still apply that, um you know your capabilities and your your ability to to uh present a narrative but make it a little bit more of just uh fictional combining that i it's it's a cool development i think it's got to be easier on your uh on your brain space too
3: (laughs) cool no i mean that's awesome I, i i i yes i would say yes (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> i mean like it's um i mean i think in the i like to think in right and you know as you the evolution of like trying to create stuff um you start to figure out a little bit who you are and then you figure out the tricks that work for you and and the stuff that also gets you excited a little bit and so i um I like to think I was able to tap into, yeah, some of those some of those different aspects. Like, one being that, like, I think stylistically it feels, you know, like the types of songs I, I write.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, but they're kind of edited in a different way and, and framed a bit differently. And, yeah, they're not so, like, I guess I don't really think of a lot of these songs on Skeleton Coast as being, like, these kind of, like, like, hard-on-your-sleeve songs entirely, Um, although I think they're packed with certain amounts of, um, I don't know, like, uh, like, um, like, themes that might run the course of time a bit. Uh, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But really, like, yeah, I would say, like, a shifted kind of viewpoint. Um, And I guess I like to think maybe and I don't know if I i may be wrong here, but like, I like to think that they're a bit, a bit more like universal in the sense that they're like kind of narratives you can plug into in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not so, uh, at least for me, like, like I enjoyed like thinking a little bit more um, like, outside of my own self and more into like this universe of like, of, uh, not like they're not, it's not like they're, they're so like specifically defined characters, but just like this more like universal, like, um, uh, you know, experience of these like abstract stories, as opposed to like really drilled down, like granular, like self stuff. Mm -hmm, Um, mm If that makes any sense.
0: Yeah. I think Brendan, Ends up doing that a lot on this record too, where you read, you read the lyrics that he's writing, yeah. and they're they're from the perspective of someone who you know might be like him, but not necessarily him.
3: Yeah, absolutely, and like you start to like open up these parallel. It's like you start. You, it's like trying to, and again, how much is conscious versus how much is just like following you know, your instincts and what's happening, which I think is like, to me, like a major part of like writing a collections of songs. is like, you know, trying not to control too many things, but following what seems cool and what works and and really like, you know, trying to be aware of what's happening in that way, you know, and like uncovering all that cool stuff. Um, but yeah, I think it's like, it's like opening up these like parallel paths of like, you know, different, different, uh, Like possible outcomes for, Mm. (laughs) for yourself or whatever it might be. And, um, so it's like all the, like, it's almost like, um, yeah. Like, uh, like the journey of, of, uh, of the story is, is, is not just tied into like a specific event or a what's happened. It's more of a making some kind of like imaginative leap to, a slightly askew universe.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, Brandon said that with Skeleton Coast and Metropole, that you kind of gave him a a reassurance of like, this is this is good. Like we're we're good on this on this record. This sh- this is a uh, this is a record we should be making. Um, yeah, that's a, <laughs> that's an interesting uh like you know dynamic that you have there and i guess as far as that confidence from you you know is that is that more of like it's based in the material being great or you you know how to how to make this
3: uh this worry wart just like chill out (laughs) um well i don't know if i know the latter there entirely um Mm -hmm. I would say that, I mean, I guess like the first piece of that is that I was very confident in like what I was bringing to this, you know, Mm -hmm. like I felt like, I felt really good and excited and, and like what I had was the timing was right. And the songs were strong. And like, I felt, you know, like that gave me personally, like, a lot of confidence, you know, Mm -hmm. and what I was bringing to this. Um, And, you know, I mean, part of like the Lawrence arms is that, you know, obviously like we have this, uh, you know, uh, like Brendan and I have this long partnership and friendship. And, you know, part of what makes our band interesting as I think we've discussed before is just like this friction and the certain like tension that, you know, two people who come from a very similar place who, who arrive somewhere very differently Mm -hmm. is part of what makes our band tick and what makes us potentially interesting. And so, um, as the song started to like come in, I think the thing that I always have had confidence in was that regardless of any one song or any one part or segment that what we're doing here is creating something, uh, you know, and uh, and also like we believe in records, right? More than we right. believe in singles, just as mm. as people, and like we think that there is value to, um, you know, to this collection that that lives front to end. Um, so I think that I had a confidence in that. Like, uh, I mean, certainly the songs he was sending, he was sending me. I was excited about, right? And I felt like he was finding his place in writing for the record and like on his own, you know, because we do write so separately. Right. And so like, um, I guess I tend to default to if I feel really good about what I'm bringing, you know, and like, he's sending me stuff and it's starting to be like, there's like a play back and forth and there seems to be some, some, uh, some contrast and some tension that's being generated that we're going to end up somewhere good. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I usually go through the phase of like being in the studio at a certain point and being like, oh, like this is not coming together the way I want it to. And it's just like that, that time before things really start to gel. And then I start to get really a lot more excited again and and realize that things are working. Um, So I guess all to say that, like, uh, I came, I came in with a lot of confidence about what I was writing, and so as, as it started to fill out, fill out, there was, I had no reason not to feel confident about it, and I try to transmit that feeling. Yeah, <laughs> I try to transmit that feeling to him, you know, um, because yeah, because I didn't see any reason not to. I, I didn't really see reason for doubt. Um, so,
0: I love it. I love it. Let's let's get into. Um, or before we do that, the the title "Skeleton Coast" uh, that phrase is in Ghostwriter, and you mentioned in Brooklyn Vegan that your wife said, you know, that would be a good title for this record. When you use that phrase for that song, what did what did that? How did that Im- imagine in your mind? How did what did you see when you said "Skeleton Coast"? Were you thinking specifically of the? Skeleton Coast or?
3: No. So, yeah. So, interestingly, I really, um, and I'm not bullshitting you here, I really had no idea about, you know, the Skeleton yeah. Coast on the East Coast of Africa. Uh-huh. Um, or, sorry, the West Coast of West, Africa. Uh-huh. Uh, um, I The song Ghost Rider was, like, my intention was, you know, again, one of these kind of, like, abstract narratives about, you know, some you know, some guy trying to like bang out his opus in, you know, a log cabin on some like rocky, you know, rainy coast. And so the line really came out as just a way to tell the story, yeah. Um, which was like, you know, here I am, you know, out on the remote edges of the world trying to create something, you know, and then thus like I drove the highways of a skeleton coast and it was like, it was my, Tone slash uh, geography setter for the narrative, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Yeah. um and and I actually think originally it was I drove the highways of a skeleton coast. So like my vision was like this again, like this kind of like jagged coastline, you know, mm-hmm. with like a oh, two lane road, you know, this guy driving in the rain, yeah. you know, with his like with the headlights on, you know back to his log cabin or whatever. Um, And part of it was like the play of like ghost writer being, you know, obviously like a mystery writer versus like, you know, a writer writing somebody else's shit, you know, that was Uh kind of like, just like, a you know, just like the kind of, uh, I guess, like to me was like the fun interplay of like the um, um, uh, just like the, yeah just like the the that the, the story term. right mm-hmm. the term was like part of like the yeah the the fun like both sides of that story but mm-hmm. so and then at some point it was like a skeleton coast turned into the skeleton coast and became much more of like a place
2: mm-hmm.
3: like a specific place as opposed to a kind of arbitrary place that you know and that is where you know like my wife did say like that is a cool name for a record and it sounds like a place. And then my mind was like, Oh, it's like this, this place, the skeleton coast. And then all the things that actually exist, you know, like Mm. then Google helped me out and I was like, Oh, and then it became like, yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's like,
2: I started to see it like more,
3: more fully. So it Mm -hmm. really did start with like, with just like an image, uh, like a way to set, a set the stage for this song ghostwriter mm-hmm. and then um you know and then kind of like unfolded from there
0: totally so let's get let's get into the into the tracks quiet storm starts off the record i couldn't imagine this song being anywhere else it's just it seems like it's got album opener written all over it
3: Yeah, I mean, definitely, I agree, and I think Brendan felt that way like pretty early on. Um, And then once we had like the actual in the studio, you know, had some of the sounds down and and the feel and the way it kicks in, and you know the um, you know the the intro has a kind of you know uh, like quiet, more reserved like thing, and then it, it really kicks in yeah, it felt, it certainly felt right. And, oh. um, I mean, the goal was to write a song that was, you know, kind of straightforward and, um, I suppose a bit of like a homage to like, you know, the punk rock songs in the mid nineties growing up, mm. um, the songs that we loved, um, crimshine. Yeah. I mean, I yeah, that. definitely. I think the chorus specifically had, some kind of like crimp shrine nods. So there was like a really like simplistic, like simple. Um, uh, yeah. I don't even know how to describe it. It's just like trying to keep things like really, really simple. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then the verses just being kind of drawn out and like over, almost like overly melodic. Yeah.
0: those things especially the second verse there's so many pretty parts just when it when it opens up and you just got those kind of open uh notes hanging on the arpeggios and I love just the the perspective of this narrator of like I'm running away from something like you know no more courage being like A great proclamation to be able to make. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Uh (laughs) run away from my problems, but also with an awareness that, like, I know that this is gonna catch up to me at some point.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think it's hard to say like exactly what I feel like the song is about, but there's certainly a few different like angles to look at it from, and like I tend to be like I try to like steer away from saying what songs are about. Cause I would be lying if I said that I know, cause that's just not how I operate. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't come into this like, Oh, this is about X or Y, except all I can tell you is like Ghostwriter is about a mystery writer out in some weird, you know, remote Yeah end of the world. That's about a, as much as like the song is quote unquote about,
2: mm-hmm. but like
3: quiet storm is like, a little bit. is like, um, it's like letting go to hold on, you know? Yeah. Like, that I think is what the song is about. It's like recognizing that in order to move forward and it's not just like, Oh, let go of the past, like move on. But it's like, like that there is actually a lot of strength in being able to pick your moments on when to cut the cord, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, and like allow yourself to continue to like move into the future.
0: Yeah. I, I feel like the, the meta, you know, context that most people apply to is also this is Chris from the Lawrence Arms. This is the seventh Lawrence Arms record. But this is this is the record. This is not like us, you know, phoning one in. It's like you're in there trying to do your best
3: one. One hundred percent. I mean I always hope that's how it is.
0: Yeah. Um, I like too, and I, f- I feel like a bit of a fart sniffer for, for cause I mentioned this to Brendan already. <laughs> so now it's two weeks in a row of people being like, Oh, right, dude. But, uh, I'll, all along the watchtower does the same thing as this song does, where it's like all of this like movement. And then it ends with riders on the horizon where it's like, well, shit's been, like, going down, but I guess, like, now shit's, like, really just about to go down,
3: and we're out. <laughs> I mean, hey, I, you know, that's awesome. I love it. I He mean, stole like, that
0: from you, right?
3: Like, I, <laughs> I love to think that the song, like, doesn't, one, like, hang around too long. Mm-hmm. Um, and two, that like, uh, um, that it kind of has this like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that like the back half of the second verse is, is certainly like, like I think it's really strong and it paints a pretty like vivid image, you know, um, which is, which is essentially like, you know, uh, like the world is ending, You know, you should sit back and enjoy Mm it. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, Uh, but all to say that, like, here we are still, like, moving along through Mm -hmm. it all. Yeah. Um, And I guess maybe that's why why it ended up being a good first song for a variety of reasons, you know, because, like, it also kind of, like, you know, it sets the table for a record that, you know, ended up being a lot about, you know, kind of, like, strange, like, Short stories about the end of the world and like different, mm. you know, different inputs on that kind of that kind of timeline.
0: All right, we're back. <laughs> Some of us are here for the first time. <laughs> uh, fun conversation with Chris. Um, I I feel like I'm getting getting onto a good level with him. It's nice. That's good. It's nice.
1: Yeah. Tell him him I'd I'd, I'd like to be his friend, Uh, you know, and (laughs) maybe we could do a project together at some point. (laughs) I'm joking, of course. Um, Yeah, I mean, that song is really great. We talked about it last week. It's just such a blast off for the record and the way that it came together, I think. The sort of in-studio construction of it, really helped it to surpass what I thought it was going to be. There was, the bones were all obviously there, you know, but Mm -hmm. when it was, like, I remember before we went in, I was like, yeah, man, I wish this was like, Like, this is, like, a, a fifth best song on a record, mm-hmm. you know? Like, from just, like, the mm-hmm. demos. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just You just try to assess things. It's, like, not said with, like, really any judgment or anything like that. But, like, you know, you just kind of, like, are, like, where's everything at? And then we got done with it. And it was, like, eh, no, this will be the first song on the records. But <laughs> it's kind of, like, blow people's minds. Hell, yeah, <laughs> You know? So uh, that's a testament to Chris. For really coming with it. I think it's a testament to just us as an organization. Um, re- like having just like a sort of like weird uh, like sonar with each other for like arrangements and stuff like that. And uh, mm-hmm. and Matt Allison, you know, and the Sonic Ranch. Um, and Neil and me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yes, whatever Chris just said, it was true. <laughs> <laughs> i was unable to hear it but um i it was true
0: so following that with pta um was there were there any other songs in contention to follow this one to follow quiet storm mm. <sighs> no I-
1: See, now I'm trying to remember because there was another sequence that we fucked with that didn't have Quiet Storm first. Um, Mm. And I believe it had PTA first. And I think that the reason for that is that they're just both two like burners, you know? Mm -hmm. Totally. And it's kind of how you want to start off a record, you know? And there was never any real thought given to the PTA first um sequence i mean it changed the whole like the whole sequence changes obviously based on what the first song is you know it's like it's like a chess game or whatever it's like as soon as you put the first song in everything changes underneath it right um sort of have a different first song made a whole different sequence but that sequence was never taken very seriously i think it was quiet storm was the first it's like it was like hey let's do another one to see what that would look like if Quiet Storm wasn't first. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was like, nah, that's not, yeah, you know. But so with that said, PTA was, I think, the other choice for the opening track. So it being second was kind of a no-brainer. Yeah, you know?
0: totally. It does come in with kind of the on with the show energy, even though Quiet Storm is such a burner, it's like a yours has a little bit more of a harshness to it.
1: Yeah, it's um, very much written in the same vibe as Devil's Taken Names Mm. Mm -hmm. in the beginning. I mean, it used to be four hits on the bell um, that started it. That's the way I wrote it. Mm -hmm. So it'd be ding, 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 ding. You know, just like exactly the same thing as the beginning of Devil's Taken Names. Mm -hmm. Boom, 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 boom. Right? It's right. it's the same, but Chris and Neil are both like, dude, let's make it eight. We don't need to like call that attention to it. But at the time, I was kind of like, man, if this is the first track on the record, that'd just be fun. And people would be like, oh fuck, look at this like crazy like mirror image thing. But once it became clear that it
0: wasn't going to be, I was
1: like, yeah, no, the eight count is better.
0: You know what's um, funny is that I think that from my perspective, I don't know if I would have made that Association.
1: Oh my God. They're, I mean, they're very similar songs. I mean, in terms of the way they begin. Um, And that was not done completely on accident. Um, (laughs) (laughs) If The Devil's Taking Names is an extraordinarily cynical song or a very pure look. It's cynicism from the perspective of somebody that dislikes it Mm -hmm. or whatever. I don't think that second one is right. I think it's more purely cynical. Um, This song is so pure and not cynical at all. And it, uh, I thought that it was interesting to kind of, Frame them as like bookends or whatever, you know, of like this, yeah, notion of like, man, I don't believe you. Don't even want to experience the world, like, uh, you're you're laughing, you're crying, it's all bullshit. You fucking, you never did it. You know, you fucking hate it. Mm-hmm. Who fucking who? Go inside, get fucked, and then it's like. Yeah, well, I poured my heart and soul into this, and (laughs) now I'm broken and sad, so (laughs) I'm just going to go out alone. Mm -hmm. Written back when you could go out alone.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know? Yeah, yeah. I'm interested. Why why the bell hits? Why not sticks or a hi-hat?
1: Yeah, because, okay, first of all, because I hate that sound um, in terms of clicks. To me, they don't belong on an album. Yeah. I mean, if if they do, it's a very specific choice. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's not for all the time. Hi-hats, I think, are also... I mean, I love a hi-hat count-off, Yeah. but again, I think it's a very specific choice, and I don't think this song kicks in the way a hi-hat count-off should kick in. Like, a a hi-hat count-off could kick in Quiet Storm when it goes fast.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: You know, that's where, that's what that's for. Building, like, this momentum. Not just, like, energetic, but still a grind. You know? Yeah. I mean, this is, like, pummeling. So I just wanted to count off that. And again, I wrote this song or at least when it was being arranged, I was definitely kind of under the impression that it would be the first song on the record, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. Um just in terms of, I was like, you know, like the demo was great. The, like the acoustic demo was sounded really good. The demo we did, as a band with Dan Tinkler in those like Tinkler sessions that sounded amazing. And so it was kind of arranged in that with that in mind, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I just thought the bell seemed like such a interesting choice yeah, for starting off, for starting off a record. But I mean, you know, I was wrong. Quiet storm is a better first song. And, uh, we fucked with the bell a little, and, <laughs> you know, here we, here we are now. Oh, no, yeah, because, okay, so I got it backwards, because it used to be eight. Mm-hmm. Ding, 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 ding,
0: ding, 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 ding. Because that's what it is on Devil's Taken Names. And on Devil's Taking Names, correct me if I'm wrong, it's, uh, what is that called? It's like a pinch harmonic? It's a bass harmonic. Yeah. It's,
2: yeah.
1: Um, so yeah, I, that was what, yeah, so it was eight and it turned to four, which I guess that's why you say you wouldn't notice it because eight would, there's no way you don't draw the conclusion Mm -hmm. after that. There's Mm -hmm. enough time for your brain to catch up. But with, with four, just like four count is a count off. It's a standard count off, but, um, yeah, I mean with all that said, I don't want it to sound like this was like the song that I had high hopes for that it ended up sucking or anything. I mean, <laughs> they're like, they're, I think I think uh I think this song turned out terrific and um you know, Chris in the middle he used uh Ebow, mm-hmm. which is um actually something that was used on the Falcon album too and it's used kind of Prominently on this record, what it is, is it's a magnet that you hold over the pickups and um, it emulates the sound of a bow, like Mm -hmm. a viola Mm -hmm. or some shit like that. Right. So when you have, and so what that means to people who are like, so, uh, (laughs) which good call, you're right. (laughs) Um, It means there's no attack. On it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. So, like, when you hear like this song, it's, ooh, ooh, ooh. they say the viola is the closest thing to the human voice of any instrument. Right. And, um, yeah. And you can sing with like no attack if you want to, like I just kind of attempted to do mm-hmm. in a very out of tune way. But, um, that's what it enables the guitar to sort of do, and that like smooth sound that's in the sort of instrumental um, interlude in this song, that's, that's what gives that guitar that unique tonality or whatever quality. And the other thing I'd like to mention about this song just while we're here is that this is like where... Like, I love Bad Religion, No Control, and how fucking, mm-hmm. like, I listen to I Want to Conquer the World, and it's like a minute and 21 seconds, there's three guitar solos, two choruses, three verses, you know? Yeah. There's actually three guitar solos in that song, but... And this song is also like a minute and 21 seconds.
0: Yeah. it's you know? so, It's so quick.
1: And it... But I think it goes through the whole thing, man. I think by the end, it's like it's gone from like kind of a stomp to kind of righteous to like just like pushing through instrumentally and then I think it gets like pretty righteous again then it gets very sad
0: you know <laughs> and it ends like very sad yeah um, I, I, I want to touch on that I want to go back to the ebo real quick was that Matt's Suggestion or or did Chris have that In mind
1: No um, I am not sure that Chris had ever used An Ebo before There was one in the studio God I don't want to make it sound like We Turned him on to anything Because I mean Chris knows obviously a lot about guitars But I don't know I think Neil might have suggested it for Dave Haas On the Falcon record Yeah You know, and that, if that, that song Dead Rose, if you want the sort of antecedent to what I'm talking about, you know, in that song, a lot of his playing is Ebo, but uh, I think it was a more organic thing. I think it was maybe the Ebo was there. Chris picked it up, started fucking with it, Mm -hmm. and then certain points when stuff didn't wasn't popping the way we wanted it to. It'd be like, maybe try the Ebo, or maybe try the other guitar, or you know, whatever. Yeah. And it just kind of came out like that. I mean, there were so many toys to play with there. It's really hard to keep track of what's what. And it's really hard to ascribe too much I think ownership to why people did stuff in terms of messing with various kinds of gear. Because that was just what we were doing mm-hmm. the whole time. You know, it was just like try this, try this do you try that? Look at this pedal's
0: funny looking. You know, like yeah, shit like that. I love so. stuff like that, and it, it feels like really the first time y'all have made a record with shit like that going on, where you're just kind of surrounded by stuff, and it's like, well, let's try it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think we've always been very experimental in the studio. You know, like all that stuff in Calcutta, Like I was talking to. Chris number two, when we were doing the, um, the Liquid Death Greatest Hates album, mm-hmm. you know, I was talking about pick slides, and he's like, "Do you know how to do a pick slide?" Most people don't know how to do pick slides. This is the way to do the perfect studio pick slide, and he's like showing me his like, the method, and I was like, "Oh, we use a
0: butter knife," and he's like, "Oh
1: shit, that's better." <laughs>
0: <laughs> I. Man, I feel like I have a very solid image of how Chris Number Two said exactly what you <laughs> <said.
1: laughs> Yeah, it is just like he was like, and you do it like this, everybody thinks you you pull, but you have to push mm-hmm. you have to hold it like this. I'm like, We well, use a butter knife.
0: That's so funny. Damn. I also didn't realize an ebo was a magnet. I thought it like was a little vibrator, but
1: Whoa well, it
0: kinda has the same principles
1: is it, i think it's an oscillating magnet mm-hmm. which would make it vibrate yeah you know i mean so yeah if you want to stick one up your ass or whatever i think it's probably like <laughs> <laughs> you've always wanted to fuck i don't know bo bice or bo burnham uh, this is an ebo <laughs> <laughs> like email, <laughs> you know. This,
0: this pretty, is my uh, electronic Burnham. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I think what what I what I love about just the the way that you have like so many parts going is after that Ebo part, how it just jumps right into that. You know, that second verse that's just immediately on that descent so what do we do about it it's like that that usually comes like at the end of a part or it's like an add-on to a verse
1: yeah i mean that second verse is kind of written backwards a little bit i mean it breaks into the major Mm -hmm. um which only works because the chorus is so strong Mm -hmm. (laughs) like i don't think that otherwise i could do that but also that 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 it has that decay that i want to be down there with you Mm -hmm. and like that is sort of like the i mean it's like that part of the song when it comes back in with planes trains and automobiles that i think there to the end is like what why you bought the ticket at the door. Yeah, for, totally. For this, for this particular song, you know? And, um, yeah, it just came together um, really nicely. And I, I, I really am very proud of the song. I put it, like, very high in, like, the pantheon of songs I've written ever. Uh, and it still makes me sad to listen to, honestly.
0: Um, That Want to Be Down Here with you is is that that seems like it's hard to sing cuz it's not just like you pulling your voice down it's like you're moving like note to note right yeah
1: yeah no it's not hard to sing i mean i don't know i can't it is not hard for me to do mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know and and like i work within the limitations i have all the time that's like sort of what's made it so you know people tell all of us that we like make music that's like uncoverable constantly like we hear that from many Mm -hmm. musicians Mm -hmm. you know there's like like sam russo when he was trying to do something for the um uh war on christmas show this year he's like yeah i could play this this or this and then the rest of them nobody could play but you three uh i don't know what's going on there which is funny because like we don't use particularly weird chords. Mm-hmm. Um there's I think it's just the the way we do we all have learned to play to our strengths and never to like and I think we all have weaknesses as well that like really keep us in a fairly confined box where we've had to
0: Last thing I heard was the way we do.
1: (laughs) I I don't know what the way we do even was referring to. What I was saying was we all have –
0: you there? Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: okay. It's like we all have our strengths and we all have like our very specific weaknesses and those weaknesses keep us in a very confined box. And so we have over 22 years exploited – what we can do in that space in tandem with what the other two also can do in that space, you know? Mm-hmm. So it becomes a very specific thing. And I think... um, I could not sit here and be like, yeah, that's hard to sing. I mean, I just sang it just now. <laughs> Pretty much like how it sounded yeah. on the record, you yeah. know? And I threw up twice today. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> so It's not hard for me, uh, but it's not because I'm great at singing. It's because, like, we know what our limitations and specifications are, and we exploit that to a degree to which Sam Riso can only play four of our songs.
0: (laughs) Well, I do think that um, the way that you hit those notes is significantly better than it would have been. In years past, I think that's something that I've really picked up on in doing this podcast with you is that your vocals have strengthened. And um, yeah,
1: we, yeah, man. Well, thanks. I appreciate that a lot. And the thing is, we, I've said this so many times on here, but it's like it bears repeating because. We are all students of this and we all listen to everything we do with the objective of not doing the fuck ups anymore and doing the stuff that works and leaning into what works, removing what doesn't and making everything as good as it can possibly be. And there's never been a time where I've seen Chris sit on his laurels when it comes to, writing a guitar part in the middle of a song or something like that, you know? Or Neil just putting in a fill. It's like, we've all been sitting there listening to each other and listening to ourselves and going, I could do this. I fucking can't do that. Okay, how about this? What can I do with this that could be interesting here, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And it's just... uh, Yeah, I mean, thanks. I'm glad I'm better because I fucking... Goddamn struggle to be, you know, and uh, the uh, the wandering bird stuff has helped a lot in terms of mm-hmm. me finding the confidence to go like sort of more seamlessly back and forth between these sort of different varying styles of singing, mm-hmm. but. Which is funny because when I do like the live streams or whatever and people are like, oh, that's that signature BK voice. And it's like the low one. (laughs) And I'm like, really? (laughs) Huh. I thought it was the other one where I was screeching. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's the
0: signature BK voice that I introduced uh, 15 years into my career.
1: (laughs) It's, it's It's just weird. I mean, I... I don't know, man. It's um, it's just nice to be able to continue to experiment with, um, like you know, that's that's the great thing about about the voice is it's just like a, it's an instrument that you've always got on you and that, like, like right now I could tell you that I'd be able to sing a pretty decent Wandering Bird show right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I could just feel it. I have no idea how my hands would do. I haven't played the guitar in a fucking month. But um, but yeah.
0: I thought you were writing that Quarantine record.
1: Yeah, I, I, I've just been writing lyrics. I don't feel like the lyrics are... I actually wrote them back, and I was like, these are a lot more solid than you're giving them credit for being. But I'm not like quite ready to pick up the guitar yet.
0: Yeah. Is that how it went with... Writing songs for this one? Do you have to go through a bit of a lull period?
1: I I wrote the lyrics. PTA was the first song I tried to write. And it was done about six minutes later. Hell
0: yes, it was.
1: Like, it was just like, I just knew, I just felt it. And I knew, and I knew Chris was going to be writing a song soon. And I know I've said this on this podcast before, but I'm halfway through recording it. And he fucking sends me Coyote Crown. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, God damn it. This motherfucker beat me.
0: <laughs> but. Um, I feel like, and this is something that Chris and I talked about with the lyrics that he wrote for the, the record as being a lot more fictional, a lot more short story. And I feel like that's something that you're doing on this record a lot too, where you're you're writing more to a feeling than you know, say a a song like Cadaver, which is very much you, and this is this seems to be more of like I'm writing a song that's about a feeling, and I'm in here in a lot of ways, but it's not as tied to me.
1: All right, well, I think this is very fractured in terms of these being extreme emotions that I feel very specifically, mm-hmm. and where I can express and experience those emotions you know, in my psyche or head or whatever. Um, and in the, you know, salt mines of my soul, turn them into something that I can be at peace with,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: you know? uh, And I I don't just mean like, what I'm saying is not like, man, you know, music's my therapist. You know, I write this down, so I don't do it, or whatever. What I mean is, through the process of the song, the actual narrator of the song, who very much is me in a lot of these, uh, comes to a point of conclusion. Whether it's satisfaction or despair or whatever, it's like, you know what it is? It's acceptance, Mm -hmm. right? It's finding the joy where you can and accepting it where you can't, and I don't mean to sound like whatever's knitted over your aunt's fucking dryer, uh, <laughs> you know. Uh, but but that's sort of what the vibe I think is mm-hmm. there, you know, for me. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, this is just a heightened emotional state. It's taking, you know what? It's a lot like is like up, not not up. Uh, uh, the the one with Lewis Black in it with the four things in the head. Uh. What? <laughs>
0: uh, Wally? People like e- No, 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 no. It's um, Inside Out, right? Oh, okay, yeah. I haven't seen it, but I I know of it. Yeah, it, where
1: it's like certain emotions that just like spike and it's like if you take that moment mm-hmm. it's a very different picture than what the entire like range of emotion is getting up to that coming down from it whatever mm-hmm. you know like you know like when for example like when you're at the height of pleasure Tim with that Evo <laughs> up your ass you'd probably like fuck anything that moves you know a fucking gorilla a, dog, whoever walked in the room. But then like two seconds later, that would become ridiculous to you. And even two seconds before that would be ridiculous to you. And I use that metaphor because it's the same way with, you know, violent hatred or love or, you know, or anything. Mm -hmm. It's just like, um, I think that, uh, it becomes very obvious with fucking because there's like a clear point where (laughs) like everything, (laughs) comes together so to speak you know but like yes who you are at that fucking moment or the moment before it is not who you are like 10 seconds before mm-hmm. it or you know and it's yeah so that this is very heightened emotionally for me but i don't i definitely would not say that there's like a distance between me and Mm -hmm. as much as you think i think it's just more compartmental
0: yeah 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 that's that's definitely what i was after um have you seen up yeah oh fuck just first 15 minutes of that movie just i've only seen it once i don't think i'll ever watch it again it's just so (laughs) fucking much
1: I love that they just do like this kids movie, and it's like, "Okay, welcome to the movie. Your grandparents will die." (laughs) 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 I mean, you gotta, you gotta hand it to them because that is not a thing that I bet was focus grouped. You know, like (laughs) I don't see a lot of Disney executives being like. Loving the messaging in the first in the first quarter,
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, could you just only only one thing just make sure that the kids who are watching it that it's not going over their heads, can we just make it as obvious as we can
1: as grim as possible, Act one, not a dry eye on the house, then we'll have a funny story about a fat kid and some balloons. <laughs>
0: Sounds like a fucking uh Falcon or Wandering Bird song where you're just like, How let's start here and see if I can end here. Uh, that <laughs> would be cool.
1: Yeah, well actually that's That's great. That I'm going to actually write that down because that would be a fun I mean, which is what I do, but like to hear it like so spelled out like that is mm-hmm.
0: like I yeah. mean he you're always taking notes during this podcast when I say brilliant things, give you all sorts of ideas. Um, Question. Although the PTA is a reference to something different, I think the folks at home are wondering, what's your favorite Paul Thomas Anderson movie?
1: I only like Punch Drunk Love by Paul Thomas Anderson. I find the rest of it to be, like, gross. I don't, like... I dislike the character so much. Yeah. It just is so smarmy and I don't get any pleasure out of that. Um Interesting. I despise Magnolia. I think we've talked about this before. I Isn't
0: it too heavy handed.
1: Oh Christ, it's raining frogs. <laughs> is the only line I like in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh <laughs> I, I di- like when that happens, I'm I'm truly like fuck. Yeah, I love this. But, uh, um, oh, Julianne
0: Moore freaking out at that pharmacist.
1: Man, I love Julianne Moore. She's the best. I don't love her under the leash of Paul Thomas Anderson. Um, yeah, Boogie Nights too long. It's like <laughs> too girthy, too <laughs> veiny.
0: <laughs> um, you see Inherent Vice? Nope. Oh, you should. It's great. It's fun. Yeah, and I haven't
1: seen Phantom Thread, and I've been told by people that I really admire that Phantom Thread would be a really good one to watch.
0: I haven't seen that either. It just feels so, like,
3: it's such it's a so commitment. period
1: piece mm-hmm. Like, it's just like, yeah, it's like, oh, you know you should read?
0: War uh, and Peace. This
1: Tolstoy book that's not Anna Karenina. Uh-huh. You know, and you're like, whew. War and the I guess, is a great example because it's not war and peace. Yeah, <laughs> you know, how it's on like, the
0: level are we though?
1: Yeah, buddy, <laughs> right there, right there. Dude, fucking Matt Marty, think you can do that, Leon? Leon Tolstoy, <laughs> love him. Um, loved him in the um, the Professional, Leon whole
0: story um yeah man i think that this song like it it does something really cool in, in just that it achieves like this this loneliness that is both it's lacking emotional like love and it's also lacking any sort of physical uh love and it does it 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 hits on both of those things and it also it's tough to not sound like pervy when you're doing the physical part but i don't i don't know this is it's a really good fucking move
1: well you know the i guess the last piece that should be really examined here or at least I should bring it up, whether or not we want to talk about it or not, is that it's called Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. and John Candy's Gill character in that movie is an extraordinarily sad, lonely man Mm -hmm. who remembers when he used to hold hands with people, you know, Mm -hmm. and remembers when he used to, like, deal in love and stuff of that nature. And now he goes out alone and tries to just like create little happiness where he can find it. The the exact theme of this record is what that character's entire, I don't know how to say that, uh, raison d'etre or whatever, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, it's, it's the, it's the,
0: it's what moves in what that character, yeah.
1: what that character is, mm-hmm. and uh so there's I don't know. There's something to like, you know. Me and Chris used to love to watch Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, and I still wanted before COVID hit. I wanted this video to be the two of us yeah. reenacting this shit, and then I was like. But we know John Candy's son, Chris, Mm -hmm. and his best friend, Hiro, is a good friend of ours. He's a Japanese photographer. Yeah. We should get them to do it instead. And they'll be, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, play Steve Martin and John Candy. But it would be great if Chris Candy... Play the Steve Martin part. <laughs> this, this is like where I'm going with this. And then finally I was like, okay, it should just be you and me, Chris, but I'm going to be the Steve Martin character and you be the John Candy character. <laughs> <laughs> just to make it as totally ass backwards and bizarre as possible, which couldn't happen. so we got the wonderful uh, Felicity Jane Heath to do our video. Mm-hmm. Which is hand drawn animation.
0: And, Super uh, cool.
1: It is not something I thought I'd ever be part of having a hand drawn animation um, in any um, way associated with my art,
0: you know? So, neat. Yeah. Watch Planes, Trains, and Automobiles last week, figuring that we would talk about it. Being the second song on the record, but and it is, I think that that's close to a perfect movie. It's just so good. Favorite Thanksgiving movie. Favorite Thanksgiving movie. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, fav- favorite favorite <laughs> John Hughes joint. I think it's the only
1: Thanksgiving movie. Yeah, it might be. I mean, I'm sure there's a lampoon vacation <laughs> like <laughs> in like the sort of like. DVD bin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's probably about.
0: Yeah, it's like the uh, the dad from uh, the Beethoven movies playing the Chevy Chase character.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think it's the only Thanksgiving movie. Uh, it's also, dude, it's John Candy and Steve Martin. Oh, no, and it's John Hughes. It's like, like you're going. To fucking cry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like these are three people that, as funny as they are, and as clever as they are, all just like bleed um, empathy and like yeah. You know what's what's the fucking word I'm looking for? It's making me so sad. Whatever. I use no big words in this fucking podcast. I can't be expected to remember them all. Oh
0: uh, <laughs> John Candy's the first celebrity death. Pathos. Oh yeah, there it is. <laughs> it's not even a big word. It's only fucking five. Yeah, but it's like you don't expect Six. it to sound that way is the thing. It's like, oh yeah. pathos. Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> Where sounds did like you a, get your degree?
1: <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a bad superhero. Pathos. <laughs> X-Men Extended Universe, like, by Carl. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, belly of the Whale. This is, man, I just love the playfulness on this song. And that first line is so funny. And it's really funny to just, like, see you fit this, like, crazy run-on sentence in there. Yeah, well, yeah, man, I am. This was the
1: one that I wrote near the end and so so like all of my apprehension about how to like write a song for this record was gone Mm -hmm. and i was able to like really do what i think makes it so i can work the best which is like fucking go for it man like Mm -hmm. what, what do you what do you got like there's no rules like so like when i sat down to write this i was like this isn't going to be a song on the record, obviously. (laughs) You know, like, so who cares? Okay, let's, let's do this fucking line about the two kids in the trench coat, you know? Uh And, and, but the thing that happens there is that once you unlock that sort of like playfulness, it unlocks like sort of like in this one, I would say there's like a childlike emotion and, Part and parcel of childlike emotion is the full spectrum of emotion that's easily Mm -hmm. tapped Mm -hmm. into, right? And so, so it's like, you know, I know I've like given a bunch of bullshit advice on here in terms of like songwriting or whatever, but like you have to just write and write and write and write and write until you're like, this is so fucking stupid. I'm so bad at this. I can't do it. And then just start writing. Like, once you get to, like, okay, everything I'm doing doesn't work, so I'm going to write the stupidest fucking thing I possibly can. And then that's when you end up with, you know, something like this, in in my case, you know. I, like, and is this the greatest thing I've ever written? Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, it's just, it, it is a, this is a really great example of what happens once, You've done the work that it takes to get to uh you know the point where your brain can like really fucking trust your hand to put anything on the page. hmm
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that and having the context too for um, you know, what we talked about last week and what Chris and I talked about too, just being this record was so Bent on just like having fun, and this, I think is it. It really like sets up what's to come. It's a really just great song on its own, and it's also one that like once the like process of just like taking it all in is there, it just like shines even more. You know what I mean? Oh.
1: Yeah, that's nice. Uh, thank you. The, the This one is... I think the only one written with the understanding that this album was going to be called Skeleton yeah. Coast. Um, And a huge part of the reason that I was like, yeah, we should call the record Skeleton Coast, Chris suggested it, was because as soon as he said that, I could see like a zillion different ideas, mm-hmm. you know? And so this song is just one of those ideas, but um, I to be honest, I was su- I was surprised that this was not the single on the record. I think I said that to you before on um, the last time we did yeah. this. But it just seems like such a obvious single to me. Um, yeah, is my v- oh there it is. Yeah, it's quiet. Okay. Um but yeah, you know, this is a some a real pop punky song in the vein of like um Quincy Top of Your Money or Porno and Snuff Films, but just sort of like a newer iteration of it. Mm-hmm. And um there's a lot that I like in this song. I mean I love I love the way the lyrics flow. Particularly, mm-hmm. this is one of those ones, like, what Rousseau was saying, where he's like, well, nobody can sing that. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, but it's easy. It's just... <laughs> mm-hmm. Right?
0: But, apparently not. Um... <laughs> yeah, there's a... So. Especially in, like, the second verse, uh, just the way those words bounce and the way you sing them too. I mean, that to me feels like something that that's coming out as quickly as it can. And you're just like, yep, yep, yep. yep." Yeah. <laughs> and then like, All I got to right. go back. Like that creates its own little melody too. Yeah. And then
1: there, I know that one line is weird, but like, cause you know that, I mean, the first part is clearly kind of weird, though. But- Mandibles and times kept stones, Captain, that it seems like they never gonna mm. Gotta go back. I don't care if this is killing me. I gotta
0: go back. You're unbearable like this. Like, that is
1: weird, I guess. Yeah, you know? that's kind
0: of uh, nah, what, nah, what nah, were we were nah. talking about with that religion. Those, those kind of old, old folk song melodies.
1: Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I mean, uh, I wish I was, like, well-versed enough in that kind of thing that I could... Give credit where credits due for any of that, but this is just me sitting around going, da 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 da, Mm -hmm. Mm you know. Um, But man, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff going on here. That's like, it's got a big chorus in the beginning, and then it does like four parts, and then ends with the chorus. Yes. (laughs) you know, like it. Doesn't go back to the chorus And everything in there That Chris's guitar Work in the instrumental Breakdown mm-hmm. is so awesome And it sounds so old mm-hmm. Like the tone is like I mean It should cause Everything he played on was old as hell <laughs> It was like the oldest guitar And the oldest amp uh, That we were using and I think, I don't know how many times we use that combination, but I don't know that there was ever another time where it sounded this old. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the next part, he does those fucking backing vocals that are like, yeah. And like, he's like, I want to try something. I don't know if this is going to work. And I was like, what the fuck did you even come up with I wanna try something? Like what that is so crazy. But it's so good sounding. Yeah. And um Yeah, man, you know what really is salient here is that I miss playing shows and like I don't believe this has never been done. I know. Like fucking sucks man uh this would be so fun i mean these first three songs of this record each one mm-hmm. of them so fucking fun to do in a live setting and i mean just new rib cages of the dead young man all oh, right the new rib mm-hmm. cages of the dead young man come on you know like All that kind of like cheese dick shit was written with the idea that it was going to be something that would be existing in a live setting very soon, you know? And, yeah, now I don't even remember the order. Yeah,
0: come on, all right? (laughs) Fuck. I I like Chris's backing vocals in that section, too.
1: Oh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it... It's so fucking funny that it was only on... I, and I've said this here before to you, Tim, but it's worth repeating. It was only on Metropole where we realized that I'm the high one and he's the yeah. low one. <laughs> and, like, it, it was like, oh. Yeah, he'll sing the low stuff, huh? You know? And,
0: of the dead young man. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But... Yeah, because I mean, fuck. There's no point in trying to go higher than my screechy ass. That's stupid. <laughs> <laughs>
0: this uh, this ends up being one of my favorite Lawrence Arms songs. I think flat. Yeah. Full I, stop.
1: I like this one a lot. I think that there's a lot of like really wonderful like sort of uh, theater of the mind that goes yeah, on in it. Yeah. Like even through the instrumental part, like in that instrumental part, I even see like the like red like Warner Brothers curtain as that plays like
0: Yeah, totally.
1: You know, like and and like you know, obviously it's like somebody living in a fucking whale. It's obviously these kids in a coat. Mm-hmm. It's obviously these like weird ass fucking freaky toe headed white haired kids on the beach and somebody hiding in a fucking you know, hull of a ship or a walrus skull
0: or some mm-hmm. shit and uh, and just like the. And then all the rib cages. <laughs> mm-hmm. sure, mm-hmm. Everybody's just like having a blast, just sliding down rib cages. And I don't know. Also, yeah. just like uh, the quad cities, people in the Midwest know, but it's, um, you know, where I- Iowa and Western Illinois meet. And the Mississippi river runs down through it. But I think just that term just flat on a page also is like, Oh quad city river. It's like, what's, what's that all about? That's a cool thing.
1: Yeah. So my, my homies, <laughs> they go tubing down the Mississippi, uh, every summer. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I'm like, is it fun? They're like, yeah, man. People are fat out there, but it's fun. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, uh, if, if you really wanted the the deep kernel of meaning from that entire yeah. line, if I was an inner tube rolling down the Quad City rivers in the summer, you'd be under something. T- I'd be under something tubby. Uh, that's that's why. Uh,
0: It's cool, yeah.
1: But it was coming off of that first Mm -hmm. line, you know. It was like so. There's like there was just like so much gleefulness going into just being like I'm writing whatever the fuck Mm -hmm. I want. nobody's ever gonna see Mm -hmm. this, and here we are. Yeah, (laughs)
0: nobody will ever see it, but they can sure hear it. (laughs) I think Belly of the Whale is like. I mean, there's there's so much in, in you know the the way that that's referenced throughout fucking time um and lazarus i believe lazarus a, yeah who, and then there's the you know it's part of the hero's journey um it's a symbol of transformation all of this shit and i and like yeah the uh i think change is a big thing on this record a big theme on this record as well and the the idea of You know, the rib cages of the dead young men serving to the purpose here is just a nice little tie in.
1: Yeah, man. You know, and I I think that there's probably at least like mild speculation because that line is so weird, but. Really, it's and in like COVID times, it becomes the pornography of change due to someone else's misfortune. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, and uh, and like it, it was supposed to be like sort of light. You know, like yo, all these dead fucking bones wash up on the shore every day, and it kind of changed my whole vibe mm-hmm. and woo and. But I read it now in a very different yeah. way. Which is like Keep dying, motherfuckers. I need I need something to keep me <laughs> interested in being alive. <laughs> <Yeah>. You know? <laughs> uh like that. I wake up to get the news. I'm not trying to read it for people not
0: dying. Yeah. No, I I, <laughs> I open this app and it's it's for two things to see if Brendan followed me and to see if <laughs> if, if uh If one of these fuckers died. Yeah. So...
1: So, yeah. That uh, ended up being art imitating life, I think.
0: (laughs) So, let's throw it over to Chris then for Dead Man's Coat and then we'll be back. Dead Man's Coat has... A really interesting perspective because it's you're reading uh this description from this person and it's to me very unclear of like what he actually is it's it's kind of like kafka in that like you know i woke up like an enormous firm and Mm -hmm. it's like what oh okay well that's a that's a thing to figure out i guess
3: yeah, for sure. I, I, another one that, again, it's like the narrative was what is what like the kind of weird narrative was what really became compelling to me. I mean, there's certainly a lot of little lines that are about different things in the song, but I think like, you know, overall it's like, you know, um, and again, I, I, I want to be careful about like painting, like telling people too much of what I feel like it was about, but mm-hmm. it's like, I was writing this short story about, maybe like a spy on his last mission or some kind of like, um, you know, I mean the first line being like woke up in foreign skin on a frozen continent. I am a stranger in a dead man's coat. And it's like, basically like, you know, here I am again on this last ride. And, you know, I'm kind of recognizing that fully, (laughs) you know, um, that this is it. Um, and there's a lot of other stuff in there. I mean, you know, again, you start to like fill out these kind of like abstract moments and characters with like different, I guess like narrative kind of, um, you know, things like, or whatever. And I like a lot of that kind of shit, you know, just like the way things the way things look, the way things sound, the way things smell, you know, it's just like the sensory like moment of whatever it is going on. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and like pairing that with like, again some of these i guess more like like overarching themes um but i definitely think of dead man's coat as kind of a uh um yeah sort of like last mission story
0: yeah and in, in it, the, the the words would lead me to believe it's it's uh not exactly last mission by choice as much as it's like well <laughs> is gonna end this way somehow i I was either for sure totally it's
3: like (laughs) yes it's circum it feels circumstantial Mm -hmm. i guess is what i would say and um yeah and i think also yeah i don't know i mean that song yeah i was really really excited about that song um and i'm really happy with how it came together it um Dead Man's Coat was kind of a reference to a story by Nikolai Gogol called The Overcoat,
0: okay. which is really
3: a wonder which is like a really wonderful short story. Yeah, um, Gogol's hilarious. And yeah, it's kind of like tragic and hilarious, also. Mm-hmm. Um and so like part of that was a little bit inspired by that. I mean, not so much necessarily the narrative, although there is a kind of like uh um uh like circumstantial, I can't fix this mission thing to Mm -hmm. the overcoat or like narrative, like, like things have become beyond my control. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
3: Um, It, it, it all feels like
0: very fickle.
3: yeah. Yeah. It's like things have become beyond my control and I'm doing my best to, you know, hold on and steer this towards um, a better ending
0: yeah he's doomed <laughs> <laughs> so it, when we when you were talking about symmetry um, I feel like the the second verse is a great example of that where um, you know phrases like static on hotel TVs zodiac mm. geography it's like those just have such a nice like punctuation to them they're evocative and they fit in that space.
3: Yeah, I was really excited about that I mean all the all the words in the song I was really excited about. I think that verse had just like um it has an economy to it that I was proud of. I think it is like there's just there's just and I tried to do this in a lot of the songs. It's like there are very few unnecessary words. Mm-hmm the goal was to paint the picture as efficiently as possible and to do it in a way where the syntax, you know, fell in perfectly. And that's like the part that I enjoy a lot of is like, you know, is like making sure everything lines up and like the kind of like math of the syntax and and all that stuff. Um, But also like that second verse kind of gives you like, it's like the, you know, if like the first verse is like the waking up in this weird world. The second verse is kind of inhabiting this purgatory, um, part. And like, so they kind of play on each other in the narrative also. Um, but yeah, I really, I, I actually really love that verse and was really happy with how it came out.
0: Yeah. The, that verse has just such a, there's such a feeling to it. And I, I don't know, I, I always get like a vision of just like a guy in like a, a, small room and he's got just shit like all over the place. The shades are down. He's totally. cane smoking and very thin.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, to me that, like that verse has a, there's a lot of different kind of ways you can like build a scene for yourself with that verse, you know? Mm. Um, And I would say in, you know, there's probably a little weird overlap into, you know, this song as, you know, you could run it through the filter of probably like being like a touring musician as well. Mm. And it wasn't necessarily the intention, but I think there's some double lives at play here.
0: Dude, I love a fucking double life. <laughs> For real. Um, and the bridge, too, man. Like, that changes all we have is, man, there's, just in the way that that's phrased, I think that that's a really beautiful, like, embrace of something. It's, it's like the, the inevitability of it is, you know, there's a lot of pushback on it and just mm-hmm. saying it as, as change is all we have is like fucking right. This is what we need.
3: I think that's like probably one of the other like big threads. Um, I just think in my songs in general, on the record are like this, uh, this notion that like, you know, inhabiting change is, is really the way forward. Um, I think there's a lot of that in different, different kind of ways and different kind of like, Skewed uh, perspectives or whatever, but but there's certainly like a kind of theme rumbling um, below there in terms of uh, yeah, like change being like a uh, a major driver of um, you know like how we keep rolling along. You are the pigeon,
2: i
0: Brendan and I are back, and Brendan, yep. what do you think of the song "Dead Man's Coat" by the Lawrence Arms?
1: Um, I think that the riff is fucking insane mm-hmm. in it, and like the way that Neil like switched up because it it wasn't um, this is not how it was Incepted. This is not how the first like Tinkler demo goes in terms of the Neil's vibe in it he changed up the whole thing. And, uh, the fact that my baseline still worked, I was very pleased with, because I loved this baseline. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, please don't make me like kill. Like the one thing I love just because you decided that this is very, you want this to be different. Cause I think Neil was like too many of these songs start the same. Um, too many of these vibes are Similar, and actually, I think it was particularly in Chris's songs that he wanted to differentiate that stuff. And I'm not not to say that like my songs don't have a like. I mean, (laughs) when me and Chris were done, I was like, all my songs sound the same, and he goes, all my songs sound the same. Uh huh. And I mean. Neither of us are wrong. Uh, all, all both of our songs are like even the same chords. All, every single one of them. So um, there's that. But <laughs> it's an exploration of the space, man. Um, but so, you know, the thing is that, uh, yeah, the way Neil switched this up to give it. Like a chunkier beginning, I guess I would say mm-hmm. um it ended up really making that fucking very classic macagan car part uh guitar part sound even more chaotic mm-hmm. and bizarre like it there is no there's no way you can listen to that and have any idea what's going on like. That's what Sam Russo probably means when you listen to that and it's like, it doesn't sound like the drums or the guitar or the bass are listening to anyone. They're all doing something very weird. And somehow I I like how it sounds, but I don't know what any of them are doing.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it it is. um, It is a pretty chaotic mess, but it's also like I think everything sounds so clear that it has this really interesting dynamic of um you know it's not like it's not like a song from greatest story where you just have like so much wash over it
1: right right yeah i mean obviously that's the it's the million dollar difference man uh you know, greatest story was recorded in a place that's now a mexican or a sushi burrito place? Yeah. <laughs> probably not anymore. It's probably a vacant spot now. But <laughs> I don't know if sushi burritos can survive the pandemic. But uh,
0: we can only hope.
1: You're vegan, right? Eh. Uh, I vegan adjacent. Yeah. Um. So you probably never had a sushi burrito.
0: Oh no, I. I love fish. And okay. Well, I don't think I've ever had a sushi burrito, though. You're right. The sushi burrito it's two is reason of a innovation.
1: Yeah, that was my that was my thought. Gotcha. Um,
0: yeah.
1: Fucking disgusting is what they are. <laughs> I mean, if you've ever wanted to bite through like a fucking uncut five pieces of sashimi. Um, it, while it like was housed in a fucking tortilla <laughs> with fucking, it, it's like a roll, but it's it's a burrito. It's the it's it's too much. It's like uh, it's like eating frosting for lunch and dinner, both, and having lunch bleed all the way into dinner. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> chugging frosting. Uh, but with fish um anyway yeah the, there's a lot of cool stuff going on this on so so Chris's um, thematic in this has a lot to do with um, I mean it sounds to me it, it it's it's a, you know a spy mm-hmm. or a company man a fixer whatever you want to say um who's it seems like to me, having regret about um his either not being able to be with his family, not having had time to be himself enough to connect enough to make a family, you mm. know mm-hmm. something of that nature right um yeah but but obviously there's I dreamed of sons and daughters and is the end line of the chorus mm-hmm. and the rest of the song has all these like sort of uh, John LeCar kind of like vibes to it.
0: I'm not John- familiar with John LeCar.
1: Okay, well John Le Carre wrote The Spy Who Came In From The Cold he wrote all the pulp um, oh, okay, Spy, sure. Spy Who Shagged uh, Me no, that was Austin
0: Flowers. <laughs> oh, probably who she- never heard of it. Oh, and yeah. like Flint—that's my favorite movie. Yeah. Shout but out um, to our Australian contingent uh, for all the love you y'all were given uh, on our accents. Mine especially. All my all my impressions are just me yelling something.
1: Have we even done <laughs> the uh, Australian accent on
0: it? Oh yeah, mate. Last
1: week. Yeah, right. <laughs> hey. Come on. Um, from Saint
0: Kilda's to King John le Cross. <laughs> he
1: wrote. Um, John le Carre wrote, you know, lots of stuff. He was the um, inspiration for um, Ian. I'm sure they say Iron down there, man.
0: Ian yeah. <laughs> Some <laughs> shit like
1: that. Uh-huh. Ian um, Fleming, who um, wrote James Bond, All right? So, um, okay, John le Carre, "Spider Came mm-hmm. from the Cold," was like the original shit that would.
0: Eventually oh, okay.
1: Influence Ian Fleming to do James
0: Bond. Tinker, Taylor, way. Soldier, Spy. Nice. Yes.
1: Um, but that's the vibe that I sort of get from Chris's lyrics in this. Mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The really old, pulpy, secret agent shit that was less like, I'm drinking martinis and fucking, and, and, and more like, I'm late in the airport because, like, this <laughs> is not yet a viable form of international transportation. Kind of, kind of, kind of thing, you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Right, and, and uh, and so the baseline that I employed for this song, not I'm not talking about the, right, which is. The intro But It was supposed to have That kind of like Menacing spy movie quality to it Yeah With that like Super hammer on Being very pronounced Every time mm-hmm. Because it just To me seemed like dude, you're gonna write a song About fucking spies And the guitars are gonna be So Doled out so Carefully Mm-hmm. And the bass is – like, the bass can run through it and sound like a fucking spy movie. <laughs> like, I should probably do that, you know? And uh, so uh, that's that's what this song is to me, really. Um, and then also the changes all we have, all we have on the road ahead. I, I love that back and forth. Yeah. It's just, like, very um, – Romantic to me. Like, I love singing with Chris like that. And uh makes my heart big. And I think that it's one of the places our voices mix the best on this album. So mm. I like that. I liked it.
0: You're sweet when you're sentimental. Um, I'm always sentimental. I, 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 I love this song too. And yeah. I don't know there's uh there's a lot of positivity that I gain from it, and anybody anytime you hear you hear people that you like talking about how good change can be uh it's like all right cool i can I can continue <laughs> on that path. that's a
1: funny that's a funny thing because what you just said is totally true, and what it is is like somebody that hates what the fuck is going on going, all right, change, good, time for some change. I'm ready. Let's fucking change it, man. Mm-hmm. And then you sitting there going, I don't want this fucking change. Okay, well, if they think it's good, I guess that's fine with me. Maybe, you know, yeah, mm. that's right. Change is good. <laughs> but it's like, it is like down the fucking line nobody likes that
0: <laughs> yeah yeah but i think that i think that the uh the battle between uh things changing and and people saying nope not going to do that is, is sort of the the through line of of history
1: yeah but like i think it's just the phrasing really specifically to me Cause when you talk about change. That's a um, antagonistic word. When you, but when you talk about something new happening, mm-hmm. totally different vibe. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, no. 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 I feel that. I'm, I, I'm like. You know. I'm like with the with the fuck TikTok that we had that <laughs> it was called Vine and they took it away. <laughs> but yeah, like. No,
1: but like something new is like, yeah, man, this is going to be new. I'm going to try to not like throw up at my daughter's wedding because of getting so drunk and taking so much heroin, you know, and <laughs> it's just going to be a new thing. I try and we'll see how it works. Mm-hmm. It's very big. i like, I'm making some big changes. Like that sounds like it was like put on you by a counselor. Oh,
0: yeah. And actually great uh segue into pigeons and spies because the (laughs) i want to make changes but i'm not in the mood
1: (laughs) yeah um yeah man uh like i said the last time i think this is one that i didn't know if it would make the record and i think that it's like really connected with people in a way that i guess i was like it's either going to be like a out-of-the-park home run, or <laughs> people are going to be like, um... Mm-hmm. Remember that guy? <laughs> <laughs> you know? And <laughs> so... So I'm really glad it went and became something that people were able to enjoy and appreciate, um, because this is one of the... I was... Apprehensive about putting the first song on the first Wandering Birds album because it's about, you know, um, touching and murdering children, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? But it's obviously a parody or whatever, and I'd played it for enough people, like friends of mine who I trusted, that they were like, that's the best song you've ever written. What are you doing? I was <laughs> like, oh, well, okay. Uh-huh. I, you know, worst case scenario, it's a joke. This one... It's one of the most naked I've felt in terms of like writing a song and being like, "Yeah, this is what I'm going for." And um, although there's a lot of that on this record for me, at least um, a a lot of like really like taking what uh, to to me and probably to no one else, but just like in my own personal little. Suburb inside my head uh, are like emotional risks or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, that was just kind of the writing exercise that I was using for this Mm -hmm. was like, do something that scares you a little bit, you know, and uh, this one definitely did. And yeah, it was based a friend of mine. Again, I know I've said this, but my, my friend wrote me a text and it was like. She was taking a picture of statues
2: Mm-hmm.
1: she wrote. Pigeons are spies. I don't trust them. Because there's all the pigeons were like, seem to be looking directly into the camera. Yeah. You know? And I was like, I'm not even responding to this text. Because first of all, what do you say to that? Oh, and I know how that goes. All, <laughs> and second of all, I'm going to write a song. But I read pigeons And Spies. Uh
0: Uh-huh.
1: I was like, that's a great name for a song. And I just sat down, right down, and just wrote the song out. And uh, this one is, you know, we talk about a weird cadence. This one's definitely very weird. I think a lot of the reason that there's not more backing vocals in the verses of this song is because Chris is just like, I'm not trying to do that. Hmm. Because it's just like it falls in a really weird place. Like if you're playing it and singing it, yeah. I think. And
0: oh, sure. That that pattern is kind of
1: yeah. Like uh, not the first. Part. I mean, you are the pigeon. I'm spy. All we have in common is that we're both high. It's already like switching to a new part. Mm-hmm. Like watching the balls buzzing, bouncing, by the below. Like it's like it goes. Two three, two mm-hmm. it, like I don't know it, it it becomes something that I think is unusual and it gets more unusual as it goes on yeah um because that one is like in the next one where it's like you are the dinosaur I on the ground scream to knock all you motherfuckers out oh we have a common is one bro-. like so then it like changes to being. After three, it gets to all we have in common, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, and then yeah. it, like, and, and that's, uh, and that's how it stays for the rest of it. And that's when it gets like very confusing in terms of like what's going on. But, uh, yeah, yeah. This is another Beastie Boys Fetish song for me.
0: Oh, sure. Like
1: Where it's just like, I just wanted to put everything I could into it, you know, in terms of. References and stuff like that, but also, uh, yeah, that chorus came out pretty good, pretty bombastic. Um, yeah, and uh, I mean, I don't want to skip ahead too much, but especially that second time when it comes in with the boom, doom, ding, doom, doom, doom. doom. I'm so like, mm-hmm. the second chorus in this song is a high watermark for my songwriting on this record I think um
0: yeah I mean especially after that that marathon that you run with the bridge just angry and old someday will die yeah
1: yeah the, the the bridge is crazy in terms of it's definitely like written like a three part hip hop from the 80s kind of Back and forth.
0: Oh sure. Um, My name is Brendan, and I'm here to say, feeling like I drank too much today.
1: (laughs) Um, but but yeah, it is that part's good, but it's also coming off that like you're the locker room, I'm the queer part, which is like emotionally, I think, very heavy Mm -hmm. because it's it's just dark, you know and but that's, like, the explosion, right? That's, like, what, in, like, the sort of, like, more cinematic take on this song, um, it, that's where, yeah, you become angry and old and start drinking at 8 in the morning and, you know, fucking go into the bathroom mm-hmm. the fucking weirdo. and Yeah, <laughs> I mean, know? it's, like, sprinting away from... Yeah. It, and, like, so it's, like, it's all that set up really of that like locker room queer dichotomy after the Bombers and Moms, which Bombers and Moms also like, I thought that was heavy when I was there. Mm-hmm. The whole, <laughs> you yeah. Okay, yeah, like,
0: yeah. um, so like, hey, man. When you say huh? it scares you, like what is it that idea of, because I feel like the, the verse is really, especially after the first chorus, it's like heavy, heavier, and then it goes into very heavy for that bridge. Is it when you say like it 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 scares you? The vulnerability scares you. What does that mean?
1: It just means, I suppose. There's a few things that are, like, at play. One, and I am aware that this is the way you start an answer that's not really an answer. That's not what I'm trying to do. No, um, the uh, Showing empathy where people don't feel like you've earned it sometimes can be, like, a tricky thing in art, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and... I have never been the mom of someone who's been bombed in Baghdad. In fact, I'm a white American uh, who has been responsible for the bombers Mm -hmm. uh, coming over and killing those very children. Um, I'm not actually a gay person who's been beat up in a locker room. I have been beaten very mercilessly in a locker room before, and Mm -hmm. I don't know that the situation is... All that different in the physical aspect, but I cannot imagine that it is the same in terms of the emotional mm-hmm. uh, although <laughs> I was beaten up for being gay, <laughs> so so it's really quite similar yeah yeah <laughs> um but the point the point is like what are you saying here? are you going to take this risks for these things? And are you going to be able to say them in such a way that are not embarrassing? It's a lot of the exercise that I talked to you about, Mm -hmm. which is if you can do something that seems like a terrible idea and it doesn't end up terrible, then it's probably pretty good, Mm -hmm. you know, but I think with this song, there's even an extra layer on it, which is just like, I am seeing what's going on here. I am very disappointed. Mostly in me, because I'm victimizing myself consistently throughout the song.
2: Mm.
1: And I'd love to change that, but I'm just really not in the mood. (laughs) You know? Yeah. And like... And like the by, like I'm not cosplaying uh, somebody that identifies as queer in that particular, you know, stanza or whatever. Mm-hmm. In fact, what I'm more doing is being like, uh, I'm getting my ass kicked. This must be just like what it is to be gay. You know, like kind of uh yeah. like um it, it's actually very very self uh, aware. Mhm. You know, I'm the I'm the moms of these bombers. You know, uh, I'm I'm the spy. You're just the bird that's up here. Mm-hmm. I I I I'm, I'm just the ground, you know. I shook and all the dinosaurs happened to die. You know what I mean? It's like this. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It's
1: like this idea that like. Uh, I don't know if you ever been in a relationship, Tim, where someone's like. Well, that's what you do to me all the time. And it's like. But, but that's not. It's not. No. Remember when I said this? But no, I said that. <laughs> And, like, Mm -hmm. you're just Mm -hmm. helpless and and, and you have no alternative but to allow this narrative to be constructed or, like, storm off forever, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, sometimes you're not in the mood for that. (laughs) Um, I I think... I think that's about as good as I can explain this one. It is very ethereal. It's not like it's easy as hell for me to pin down either. I just know the emotional, like, underpinnings of it, which are somebody looking very critically at themselves while also being very, very um, hurt and deluded, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's a really complex thing and I like even with the explanation it it just like kind of further's the like where are we? How did I end up here? And yeah. Like what I think that the, it introduces this aspect of like you know, yes, as to use your like Your metaphor, like as an American, I am responsible for the bombs, but also like I didn't, I didn't vote for the bombs, but I also didn't protest or if I protested, I didn't protest hard enough.
1: Yeah. And, and, and you know what? And so therefore, when these bombs fall... I am essentially the mother of these dead boys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because have, have you seen what I've been through? Like, and it's, it is just like a, I mean, it's grotesque. It's the grotesquery of identity. I was gonna say identity politics, but I mean it in the way that it used to exist as a phrase. Before it was taken over by like conservatives to talk about how gay people want to be treated as equals, you know right. what I mean? <laughs> so <laughs> I don't, <laughs> I don't want to say that. <laughs> it's like, but what I mean is like the genuine in your soul uh, stratum that holds your identity together, and how much. It's your job to bend and break that to your will in order to continue to not do a goddamn thing. <laughs> <laughs> you
2: know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh man, this is uh this is some fucking heady psychoanalysis.
1: Yeah, no, sorry.
0: No, I love it.
1: This is why I don't go to therapy, though. I spend enough time
0: doing this to myself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there's like, I don't know. I don't know what I could like possibly add to this, but I think that just like the the complexity of all of it, and like the like self hate to the point of like destruction, but also like. In total avoidance Is I don't know man But it's also like But it's also disassociation right mm-hmm. Like Yeah
1: Like there. I mean there's There's like a level of I am The queer There's a disassociation That goes on there From me saying that mm-hmm. Right It much in the same way That there would be A disassociation For an actual queer person Getting beaten up In a locker room Like, it's Mm -hmm. equal and, I don't, not equal and opposite, but, like, um, where I can write it off, like, yeah, no, I'm, yeah, I know I'm getting beat up for being gay because, like, I'm the kind of person that is friends with gay people and, you know, Mm -hmm. like, try to live my life in adherence to, like, everybody's cool Meanwhile, if you're getting your ass kicked for actually being gay, you probably go. I mean, I can't presume to speak too much about this, but I bet it's something like, okay, just this will be over soon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Sure, sure. And, and there's like a, a disassociation that has to go on there. And it's, I mean, this is obviously, I hope it goes without saying that, that, that what I'm doing is. In this song, as per the narrator's own words, fairly half-assed, if
0: not
2: outright despicable. <laughs>
0: well, I think that you you reach a good point of of conclusion on it, where you know whoever's whoever's dishing out or taking it, we're all fucked. We're out here. <laughs> killing ourselves and each other no matter what. Yeah,
1: I think think that that is also, like, a big point in this, is that, like, really, you know, and I guess it's, like, yet another fucking layer in this goddamn onion of a song, is that really what it's about is just two people trying to be in love and the one being like, I'm not going to change... This is the way you make me feel. This is the way you make me feel. You know, mm-hmm. like you're all the dinosaurs and I'm the ground, mm-hmm. and oh, I killed you. Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like <laughs> you know, you beat me up
0: all the time. <laughs> like it just. Well, what do you? Uh, how do you think it feels to be the one who's not right all the time? How do you think that feels for me? Being the person who's clearly wrong constantly. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, and that is. There's been. I don't want to say an over intellectualization of this because it's all pretty much surface in terms of what the words are, but really, truly. at The end of the day, this is like. I'm being a real asshole.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Being very selfish, and I'm just not going to stop. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs>
0: you know? Yeah, totally. Like, I fucking. I've and made my peace with where this is heading.
1: And weaponizing any possible, like, touch point of unimpeachable sympathy in order to continue to uh, not do the goddamn thing. Yeah. <laughs> I,
0: I mean, is. Is that how you see yourself? Because, like, I guess going back to you know the vulnerability that's that's there, and there's a piece of you in this. I feel like it's. I feel like I can't not just ask plainly.
1: Right. Well, you know, like when we were talking about those points in your in your mood, mm-hmm. right? When you're ready to fight, when you're ready to die, when you're ready to uh, fuck, whatever, like, very base instinct it is, that's not you all the time. Mm -hmm. It is you for, like, a brief second. And, like, what if you exploit that and explore? So it's like when you are, when I, I'm, like, as hurt as I can possibly be. Yeah. This is very much what shuffles through my head very quickly. Uh, this is obviously more artistically rendered than what's going on in my, uh, head during a fight or something like that. Mm -hmm. But if I'm hurt, it's just like, yeah, I'm very selfless and I'm actually pretty much somebody that you should feel very bad for. And I will make it as hard for you to not feel bad for me as possible. And I understand. Yes, you are sick of me. I'm also tired, and you know what? I
0: love to want to change. Uh, yeah. I don't feel well right now, so.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm also sick. Yeah. Yeah.
0: My, it's my stomach kind of hurts. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I I can certainly relate. Uh, I think that there's a there's a good uh thread of the self-hating italian that uh you and i both share yeah but and and not to write it off see there i'm doing no. it again <laughs> i'm doing it <laughs> myself now hey you know what it's this is just what it is. you are the livia soprano i am the tony <laughs>
1: But the thing, but the thing is truly that like, man, I was talking to a good buddy of mine who was trying to get off of, uh, pills that he was, he was doing, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and he was like, I'm just really having a hard time. And I don't know. I was only in town for a day or he was in town for, I don't remember, but it was just like good to see you. Let's just get dinner. But this is hard for me. Yeah. You know? And I was like, I know because the person you have to talk out of this thing of doing this thing that you like is your brain. Mm -hmm. And your brain is the one Doing the talking. It's like... Yeah. It's like trying to lock the locksmith out of your house. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. To like... To like... I quit any addiction. Whether it's to food or a person or... Mm -hmm. Fucking hardcore drug or whatever the fuck it is, you know? But... (laughs) But like... It's the whole thing. It's like once you get into that sort of like mentality, you, you, it's your brain that's right there to be like, no, no,
2: no. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You are the Olivia. You know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> it's like, Absolutely.
0: And, and you, you get to that point where, I mean, if there's a pleasure button, it's like, well, that's what I want to do. Like, why wouldn't I want to hit the pleasure button Maybe tomorrow, I can talk myself out of it. But right now, yep. Bing. Yeah. Totally, man. Uh, It's...
1: I think it's just... I hope it's relevant to the human condition in that I hope I'm not like a total outlier, freak show, horrendous person for having these thoughts. But at the same time... You know, they are extreme. Like, this is an extreme manifestation Mm -hmm. of that. I mean, it's art. You know, like, as I've said a zillion times, I don't think Dostoevsky was advocating killing old ladies when he wrote Crime and Punishment, Mm -hmm. you know? And I'm not saying that this is a, good mental state to be in. And I'm not even saying that it's something that I entertain incredibly often. Although this fucking virus thing is making it real hard to give a shit about anything. I
0: will,
1: I will say that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, totally. I mean, I think that, I don't know. I, you know, I got, I got engaged this year. I, I moved into a house this year and I, feel very positively just about the steps that I've taken just in the relationship that I'm in to just stop myself from the initial instinct of wanting to like pass off blame or fault because it's just, it's so much easier to just say like, Nope, actually here's why you should be seeing it from my side. But, yeah, it's possible. And, like, you know, I think seeing it for what it is helps make changes possible.
1: Yeah. Also, like, depending on, like, I don't know, anything. Like, with any human relationship, uh, be it romantic or otherwise, business, friends, whatever, it is easier for one person to say that because the other person's just not going to buy it. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, uh, and, and you're fucked. Mm-hmm. So you might as well just, like, get used to it. Start eating that shit, buddy, because <laughs> that's <laughs> how it goes now, <laughs> you know. <So. laughs>
0: well, but. thankfully, uh, i am in i am in a, I'm in a, Relationship with my best friend, and there are are no compromises to make here, (laughs) except who's going to be funnier, who's going to be cooler. The answer is always you, but that's all right with me. Uh, We got a Patreon, patreon.com slash better sandwich. Go on over there and hang with us like best pals. Love you guys.
1: Bye. Thank you for being a part of this.
0: We'll be back next week uh, picking up with last, last words. We'll hear more from Chris McGoggin and more from our boy here, Mr. Brandon Kelly. Thank you, Brandon. That's me. (laughs) Thank you all. We'll see you next week.
1: All of our good jokes about your glory hole scene. (laughs) I can still send you mine, or you can just reinsert, Uh, (laughs) you can just say everything again.